What's up, everybody? How you doing today? Love to hear your testimonies of God working in your life. Uh, quick heads up on a couple things. One, uh, today's our welcome lunch right after this service. All right, so welcome lunch today. Say, so what's that? Well, if you don't know, it's for you. Because if, you, if you're here all the time, then you've heard about it a million times, you know. So uh, if you're new and don't know what it is, then we have a special lunch today for you, free. Just show up. It's where we, uh, I want to share with you a little bit about who we are, what we do, why we do it, how we got to where we are. And if you want the, the inside scoop and the backstory of Life Church, then come to the lunch today, right after this service, uh, out that way, and then back to the... Uh, southwest corner of the building in that area, and, and you're welcome to come. That's why it's called Welcome Lunch. You are welcome to eat our food. So come and check that out today. If you've been here a long time and haven't been, of course, giddy up. You should have come a long time ago, but we won't beat you up over the head when you come. We'll say thanks for coming. Uh, thanks for making it. Um, also, then, our big event. You ready? This is our big week. Big event. This Wednesday, night to invite, all right, and our guest, Christopher Alam, is coming in. Many of you have these prayer cards. If you don't, you have a few more days to pray and uh, believe God for your family, friends, whatever, uh, to come to know the Lord. Get one of those if you haven't already, and we have these invite cards you can use, of course. Sometimes nowadays, what I'll do is I'll take an invite card and because everything's so digital, I'll just take a picture of it and send it to someone. You know, text it or, you know, whatever, social media it. And uh, send it to someone and invite them that way. And and uh, anyway, use those. Uh, if you have friends, of course, that are... Un- Our goal is we're, we're wanting those who don't know the Lord to come to know Him. But if they're sick, it's even better. Especially if they're really sick. Or have real bad physical problems. Why? Because this is evangelism night. Those are the gifts of the Spirit that are most connected to the office of the evangelist. And that's gifts of healings and working of miracles. And special faith. And so, uh, if they're really sick, that would be awesome. Because you've heard it said that healing is the dinner bell for salvation. And uh, there'll be great miracles on Wednesday as well. Uh, so don't believe, bring all your believing friends. We have healing services all the time they can come to. This is night to invite, and we're talking about uh, those who need to know the Lord. Amen? It's going to be good. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Are you ready for some word today? If you have your Bibles with you, go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis, the second chapter, I want to share with you, I think, I think I'm going to just end it here today, uh, this series called Better Together. Uh, the reason I'm ending it is, is, is not because there's, we've said everything there is to say. Uh, I have marriage series from the past. You can go online and listen to those, and I cover different aspects. This was right for this time, and, uh, and so I think that'll be finished for today for now. All right? Good deal. Well, before we get into that, I need to read to you something. Uh, this is the, let's see, this is the perfect husband. <laughs> Some of you already relate to this, don't you? How would you know about me, Pastor? 
uh, several men in the locker room at a golf club. A cell phone on the bench rings. A man engages the hands-free speaker function and begins to talk. Everyone else in the room stops to listen. He says, hello. Uh, Honey, it's me. Are you at the club? Yes. Uh, I'm at the mall now, and I found this beautiful leather coat. It's only $1,000. Is it okay if I get it? Sure, go ahead if you like it that much. Woman, uh, she also then says, I also stopped by the Mercedes dealership and saw the, the new models. I saw one I really liked. He said, how much? She said, 90000 Uh He said, okay, well, for that price, I hope it has all the options. You know, go ahead. She said, great. Oh, and one more thing. That house we wanted last year is back on the market. And uh, they're asking one point five. Uh, the man said, well, uh, go ahead and make him an offer then. Just offer him 1.4, though. She said, okay, see you later. I love you. He said, bye, I love you too. Man hangs up, the other men in the locker, locker room, looking at him in astonishment. Then he asks, does anyone know whose phone this is? <laughs> Someone who will be surprised. I know sometimes people have issues with their in-laws. This one guy... He said, I live in constant fear that the feds are going to deport my dear Latina mother-in-law who lives at 1447 Elm Street, (laughs) the small yellow house on the west side of the street. She gets off work at 430 and drives a silver Toyota. Hallelujah. Did you find Genesis 2? Genesis chapter 2. This has been our foundation for this message. Verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So the Lord wanted to fix not good and make it good. And eventually, you know, he described this as very good. He wanted to make a helper comparable to him. Skip down to verse 24. Uh, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. One flesh has kind of been the basis and foundation for this teaching. Uh, I was stirred up, I believe, by the Spirit of God to emphasize, to focus on what marriage really is in God's design, what the relationship Ships are supposed to look like, and that is they are to be one instead of two, two people, but they become one flesh. And uh, and then at the same time, when a, a couple becomes one, they need to start thinking about themselves as one instead of two and stop doing life different. There need to be they need to be one in, in how they, they they conduct their schedules and one with their finances. None of this her money, his money, that kind of stuff. Too, too many things people do. They're doing it as two, and yet they're wondering why they just feel like roommates at times. Uh, marriage in marriage, you're supposed to be one in as many areas as as, as possible. And so, if we're smart, I think we will resist any. Uh, uh, you know, anything that comes to divide us, any thoughts, any temptations that divide us in how we live and how we function. Now, uh, 
we recognize that the, the primary bond of a relationship, of a marriage relationship, is the love of God. Love is that, that glue, it is that bond. My question is sometimes, is are we doing love? And I'm not talking just love in an emotional sense. How many know your emotions go up and down? Sometimes you love because you feel like it, and sometimes you don't feel like it. But if you're really one, you love anyway. Right? It's not just the emotional sense, not just talking about the f- love in a physical sense. Love is, is all about a person selflessly giving themselves to another. Love is Jesus hanging on the cross. Right? It's taking our place, doing for us what we couldn't do on our own. And many of us are aware of the scripture in Galatians that says faith works by love. You ever read that? Faith works by love. Do you know you could really flip that around? And I don't think it's doing any damage to, to, to the scripture. But love works by faith. Love also works by faith. Why do you say that? Well, because if love is just based on sight, or we could say the sense realm, meaning I love you when I feel like loving you, well, it's going to be a rocky relationship. But if you will love by faith, that means what? You're going to treat a person in accordance with your word, your promise, your commitment, in accordance with whatever is best for that individual, independent of how you feel. And we know that's true in so many areas of our life and our walk with God, but it is also true in our walk with one another. Forgive by faith. Love by faith. Give to them by faith. Be respectful to them by faith. Well, if you were married to this jerk I'm married to, how could you, how could you ever respect someone who does da 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 da? I understand that. Some people have done some very unlovable, unrespectful things in life. That's the fact. I mean, we all have. But how many know a person who is, who is going to cooperate with the Spirit of God in changing an individual's heart is one who's going to respect them by faith even when they don't look respectful. Is going to love them by faith even when they're not behaving in a way that, you know, generates love from within. Hallelujah. And so love considers the other person. It will recognize what is unique and what is uh, what they need to do to adapt to that other person's preferences. When two people will walk in love together, they'll, the relationship will be heaven on earth. But it is about recognizing, I've emphasized how we are the same in many areas, and to make that the priority, the main focus, we also recognize we have different interests and different personalities, and the person who really is yielding to the love of God, they don't emphasize what they want, what they like, they emphasize what the other person wants and what they like. I don't know if that, if that, that makes sense. Amos 3, verse 3 says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? We're looking to adapt to the other person's preferences. I I think preferences are a very interesting thing. And, And they're not about good or bad or right or wrong. Many things are about preference. I was thinking about it in the sense of, of clothing. Have you ever been to a clothing store, been to the mall or something, and you're looking through the racks of shirts and pants and different things, and, and you look at some article of clothing, and you think, that is the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and you actually wonder why it even exists. Because you, you, you flip through and it's like, no, 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 I would never wear that. But you know the fact that it's there, 
there's a strong likelihood that someone is going to wear that. (laughs) Someone is going to go flip, 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 and they're going to pull out the thing you gagged over and go, huh, look at that. Hey, what do you think about that? Well, try it on. They put it on. It looks horrible. (laughs) And they look in the mirror and think, I think I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. (laughs) And yet the thing that you picked out, someone else went, yeah. They did. They saw it and they thought, I can't believe someone would pay that money for that. And you came along and said, that's a good deal. (laughs) I just think it's very interesting because we're not talking about crazy people. We're all generally normal, right? And yet, we'll look at a piece of clothing and we totally have a different perspective on it. Amen. And the person who walks in love is... They don't, when, when their spouse has a different perspective or a different preference on something, they, they honor that. They recognize that and they think, okay, that's just the way they are. Sometimes it's personality. It's some individuals are, I don't know, they seem to be more helped with words of affirmation. Meaning, some individuals, they could almost... They almost could not care less if you tell them, thank you, or I appreciate you. It's like, I don't need that. Whatever you say doesn't really affect me. And someone else is really bolstered by that. Well, it's not about what you want, though. Love recognizes what the other person likes or prefers or is helped by. And if they are fed by that, well, then I'm going to seek to meet their need. Some individuals want to talk more than others. They have this need to talk it out, talk it out, talk it out. And, the, and someone else is like, I'm, I'm, be, my silence does not mean anger. <laughs> it does not mean something's wrong. Right? People are different in that regard. So what should we do? Each person should look to not demand that the other adapt to them, but look how they can adapt to their preferences. That's just the way that love thinks. Amen. See, watch. If you came out of that little brief discussion right there and you think, yeah, my spouse needs to understand the way I am. You totally missed it. You need to understand the way they are. That's the goal. And when that gets flipped on its head, that's when we have problems. Everybody okay? And so, if you were to answer this concerning yourself, I feel loved, I, uh, when my wife, when my husband does such and such to me, for me, I feel loved when they do. If you could fill in that blank, and I think most of us probably could, I really like it when they, I really appreciate it. I feel loved when they, could you flip that around and put their name in that? Say, well, I don't even know what they want. <laughs> well, that might be an issue. That might be something you can discover and find out because love is looking to elevate and lift and bless the other person. Okay, now, to be a good husband or wife, I believe this starts with godliness. It's healthy, it's normal. When I say godliness, I'm talking about God's ways, God's character, the way He thinks, of course, His love and all that. But godliness, as opposed to worldliness, as opposed to fleshiness or sinfulness. 
Just like all these things, we think of sin and holiness and stuff in relationship to eternal life, in relationship to, you know, our standing with God. But how many know sin will eat a marriage up? The Scripture says it this way, godliness is profitable. You ever read that verse? Profitable in all things. To be godly is profitable. It'll, it'll help you in your wallet. It'll help you in your emotions. It'll help you in your physical health. It'll help you in your relationships to do things God's way. Because of that reality, um, I don't think we should ever compromise holy living in an attempt to be together. In other words, if we have to be together and we have to do something that's kind of questionable or on the edge of compromise of of our spiritual standards, in order to be happy, we're being deceived. Uh, We should submit to God together. That'll help the relationship. We should resist the devil together. That'll help the relationship. But any time I start thinking along the lines of the world, which, by the way, we all do until we interrupt it with this. But there are things that are of the world and they're not of the word. And we've come out of the world, so we bring it into our, our, our marriages. We bring it into our families. And it's wrong ways of thinking. It, it allows the enemy to get in to steal, kill, and destroy. That's one of, that's one of my favorite verses, John 10.10. 10. Remember Jesus said, for the thief comes not. But for to steal, to kill, and destroy, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So anything that he would try to insert into your your relationship, any ungodly practices, is designed in the end to steal from you, to kill you, to destroy your life. It's like the, the couple that said, well, we want to, you know, spice up the bedroom a little bit. And so we're going to watch this porn uh, show together. Because we're doing it together, and so we're not like cheating on each other or anything like that. We're doing it together. No. See, that, see that's wrong thinking. That's worldly thinking. Yeah, but it's together. But what, what spirit inspired that? That's not, that's not holy there. That's unholy. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's not godly. It's worldly. It's fleshly. You didn't get that from the Word. You got that from the world. And they're all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's all bad news. Okay? And so we need to think like God does. In, in, you know, in Galatians chapter 5, we have a list of things called the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. You've read those lists? You know, love, joy, peace, goodness, so forth. The fruit of the Spirit, works of the flesh. One of the works of the flesh, you know what it is? Um, in the English, it's usually translated fornication. Fornication. In the Greek, it's the word pornea. Okay? In other words, pornography. Someone said, well, we'll just do that together to help our, help our sex life. No, it'll actually hurt it. Why? Because the origin of it is the flesh, which is connected to demonic temptation, and it will never add anything to your relationship. It will always take away from it. If not immediately, it happens over time. This is where we trust God and say, I'm going to do things your way. We're going to, to the best of our ability, have a godly marriage. Like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And have that standard in your life. This is going to be a godly marriage, a Christian marriage. Um, We're going to follow His ways to the best of our knowledge. We're going to honor Him in how we treat each other. Husbands, is the way that you treat your wife, does that honor God? 
Wives, is the way that you treat your husband, does that honor the Lord? Is he saying, boom, right there. It's one of my girls right there, how she, how she treats her husband. That would be a good question for us to answer. James 4, 7 reads, therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. These are things we can do together. <laughs> Amen. Now, I, I want to share with you a little section. And, and I call, I'm a little bit empowered in this today because I heard good responses in the first service because I thought I was a little bit too direct and someone came. I like how direct you were with that. <laughs> so I, I don't know. This is, I'm, this is risky. I could go over the top. So everyone just looks straight ahead. and uh, But I call this like, I call this dumb things people do. Dumb things couples do. In reality, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, how people break unity. How they start thinking and behaving as two instead of one. But some of the dumb practices. And uh, I hope that doesn't sound too strong because uh, otherwise I'll just, you know, strengthen it a little bit. Uh, but, but, but here's some of the things that I think we, we shouldn't be involved with, with, is like inappropriate communications with the opposite sex. Inappropriate communications. It's texting people that you're not married to. I'm talking guys texting some girl that you know from the office, some lady you know from work, or, or maybe someone you knew from the past. Nowadays on social media, it's so easy to, for many people to connect with old relationships or friendships and all of a sudden you're having a conversation. You know, and if you, if you, uh, if you're saved, you'll, you'll spiritualize that and Christianese it a little bit and say, yeah, it just seems like we have a real good spiritual connection. There's nothing wrong going on there. It's just like a spiritual connection. <laughs> and you're about to go to the hotel. You and your spiritual connection. Don't have any communication with like that with people, unless your spouse is involved in it. They're there; they can read it. They're a part of it. You're all the, you know. If your spouse is not aware of any any kind of ongoing or regular communication you're having with someone of the opposite sex, it's you're you're out of bounds. I got quiet on me there. Listen, I'm trying to help. I'm not trying to condemn. I'm saying this is, this is one of the ways the enemy gets into people's uh, relationships. And we're just going to be smart and say, no, I'm not going to do that. No, and if someone's persisting with you, uh, you know, you got to cut that off or invite your wife in, your husband in. Manipulation, sometimes, uh, this is not very smart. When people start to, uh, husbands or wives start to try to manipulate each other. Uh, sometimes they'll, uh, you know, trying to get them to act a certain way. And so they'll use different tactics to try to manipulate them, making them feel jealous. Uh, throwing little tantrums. We think, well, adults don't do that. And we think of the kid on the floor in the grocery store who wants the candy bar. Adults just do it different. <laughs> but they still have tantrums to try to manipulate, to try to get what they want. Um, Placing demands and ultimatums on their spouse to try to manipulate them into being or doing something different. Uh, sometimes people will exalt their personal interests above the family. The family needs to be the priority there, personal interests. Maybe you have a guy's night out. I think that's okay. 
But that's not okay very often. You know, or girls' night out. Well, all the girls get together, we go out. Yeah, but how often do you do that? Is your spouse supportive of that? Or does the family suffer because you got to do your, you know, your thing? Those things can exist in a proper balance, but sometimes they go overboard. You know, really expensive hobbies. Well, I, this is my hobby. This is what I love to do. I know, but is it putting the family in financial jeopardy? Does it make hardships on everyone else because of your hobby that's maybe super expensive? I, I, I've, I know some situations where, where there's some disagreements and some fighting and couples are looking for, you know, things they can agree on, things they can do together. They've slipped into uh, the practice and habit of drinking. Well, we just, we just, we like to do this together. And, uh, you know, we're not, it's not like we're getting drunk or anything, but we just like, this is something we can do together. Or maybe it's their new superior revelation of grace that says they can do anything and everything all the time and it doesn't matter. But, you know what, I've never had, I've never had a couple come to me and say, you know, our marriage was really rough. We were really having hard times until we started drinking together. (laughs) And everything just got better. I've never heard that. Never. Not even once. And yet, do you want to talk about the times when we've seen situations where, you know, alcohol uh, contributed to abuse, contributed to unfaithfulness, contributed to all kinds of other issues? I mean, how many know that's one of the main Issues. I talked to a police officer one time years ago. I said, so how many of your arrests are connected to, you know, alcohol or drug use? And they said, well, all of them. <laughs> and I thought, all of them? I thought, well, that's an interesting point. And so many people are fighting to do, well, the Bible doesn't say we can't, just as long as we don't. You know, get drunk. You don't say we can't do it. I know, but sometimes we should use our brains. And ask, does this help? Is this making anything better? Or am I at risk of losing something that's of much greater value? Hallelujah. I'm just telling you, I think there's some, some dumbness that sneaks in once in a while. And I think there's a better way. I really do. And I'm not telling you anything that we don't do or do do. In other words, we don't. <laughs> and if, any, if that example helps anyway, it helps anyone, we're still okay, huh? <laughs> now, if the service doesn't go good today, we're getting a drink. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, expectations, expectations. Sometimes uh, husbands and wives will put on the other person um, expected ways of, of of behavior. It can be sometimes tied to special days, anniversaries, and holidays, and birthdays, and they expect them to do certain things for them. And if they don't do what they expect them to do, of course they're angry or hurt or neglected. And it's almost a no-win scenario when you start expecting people to do certain things for you. How about this? Don't expect them to do anything for you. And if they do, what a blessing, what a treat. 
And if they forget, you stay married. Sometimes what happens is when there's great expectations for people to do things for you, even when they do, you don't know if it's sincere or they were just saving, the, uh, you know, they just wanted to have sex that month. Did you get that one? And they know if they don't, yeah, you know, Valentine's Day. I'm not saying it's wrong to do anything special on any of these days. I'm saying the expectation sometimes causes problems. It's not really the love of God to demand other people act a certain way towards you. I I was speaking to our pastoral staff last year, and I said, Hey, you guys, uh, with all the counseling you guys are doing, the interaction with different couples and so forth, I said, Tell me some of the... uh, some of your observations. What's standing in the way? What are people dealing with? How are people handling things in an incorrect way? And I just sat there for a moment with my pad and, and I just started taking notes. They told me these things. They told me people run from their problems. They run from them. They don't deal with them. They run away from them. How many know in the marriage sometimes that even, that even de- goes to divorce? I'm not dealing with this. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to work this out. I'm not going to seek help. I'm out of here. They said they run from problems. Secondly, they told me some people, uh, they create drama. They create drama. It's almost like they're addicted to it. Like we haven't had a problem for a while, and so we're going to make sure and manufacture one. (laughs) It's like constantly. It's hard to live when everything's just peaceful. They create drama. The third thing they, they told me is, is some individuals, they won't put any, eff, any effort into making their situation work. They want someone to kind of wave their hand over them and, you know, their leprosy disappears. But instead, the prophet tells you to go j- j- dip in the Jordan River seven times. And I don't want to do that. They don't want to work at something. They don't want to try harder. They don't want homework. They don't want a sign. They don't want to, they don't want to make a change in their life. They want to... Uh, I don't want to put, it for, put forth any effort, but how many know usually issues are not going away if we don't put any effort in? They said, uh, number four, they seek permission to stay the same. It's telling me people are seeking permission. Maybe they want a pastoral, you're all right, everything's okay, you're okay, I'm okay, everything's fine. It's your spouse, it's your, <laughs> it's, <laughs> they're the problem. You don't need to change at all. They seek permission to remain the same. Number five, they told me uh, uh, that people won't receive correction. If they're doing something wrong, they don't want to acknowledge it. They, they don't want to embrace a new way, a new way of thinking, a new way of doing it. They don't receive any correction. Is anyone in here perfect in all their ways, their thoughts, their actions? If you're not, if you are, I'm going to give an altar call for you right now for your repentance. But... uh If you're not like the rest of us, you should appreciate correction. Correction is not a negative thing. It's not always, it's not even a rebuke. It's, it's like driving to church today. You probably made a thousand corrections just to stay on the road. The moment you stop making corrections in your life is the day you run into something. But sometimes people don't receive correction. It's a positive thing. Number six, they said people focus on negatives. They focus on the negatives. Are there negatives? Sure. 
but don't stare at them. Deal with them the best you can and focus back on the positives. I've taught on that already in this series. Number seven, they said they talk to everyone but the person they're having the conflict with. That's a danger zone there. It ruins trust. Come on, don't talk to someone else. Talk to them. If you need to talk to someone in a, you know, a confidential counseling type situation, that, that might be the exception. But other than that, you got to keep it out of everyone else's uh, wheelhouse. Keep it in the family. Number eight is they said people don't seek God first. They just don't seek the Lord first. I know years ago, it was probably 20 years ago, the Lord gave me a, a message and I've taught it in this, in this church, but it was a marriage message. And the way that I saw it in prayer was it was a priority system. The, it was the seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. But I saw how people are having problems in their marriage simply because their priorities were out of line. And I tell you, so we're, we're focusing on our marriage. My wife is my, she's the most important person in my life. Well, there's your problem right there. My kids are the most important. I couldn't live without them. Well, there's your problem. See, that's not the way the kingdom of God works. It works when He is number one. And everything else comes from that. When God is first placed in your, place in your life, you set the stage for everything else to kind of come into line. Amen. I'd encourage you. Be one, be one of the people who... Uh, especially if you're having troubles, get in here on a Wednesday night and seek God with us in our believers' meetings. Go deeper. Be one of the ones who stands with their hands in the air or their knees on the carpet. Be one of the people who says, the Lord Most High, I serve Him all my days. We will worship Him. Seek God first in your life. It sets the stage for everything else. One of the biggest complaints that you will hear from counselors from pastors, from counselors, about counseling individuals is, is that they'll, they'll tell you too many people won't do anything with what we tell them. You sit down with them, you work with them, you care for them, you love them, you pray for them, and they won't stink and do anything with it and wonder why. Nothing's changed. <laughs> Everything's the same. And I know some of you are sitting out there thinking, I can't believe someone would do that. <laughs> right? Oh, no. Uh, but I would wonder, for those who are married, have you done anything in the last month since we've been teaching on this? Have you made any improvements, any adjustments, any changes? Have you, has there been anything? Or is it just all, hey, that was good, yay! Mental knowledge, mental assent, instead of what James said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. The more we hear and don't do, the more deceived we are. Praise God. Let me just give you a couple more things in closing here today. Um, sometimes people add pressure to their own relationship that can be avoided. Some of it's work, but it can be avoided. Debt is one of those things that adds pressure to a relationship. If, if you have debt in your family and can work together to make it one of your priorities to get out of that burden, don't tell me. If you're struggling, you've probably had some fights over money. It's very common. If you can work together to remove that pressure, it's just not there. There's enough to deal with in life. And if you can remove that one, man, you're, 
you're in a good place. Pressure is added to a relationship when people stay out of church through either traveling on the weekends too often, whether even if it's vacations. I'm all for I'm pro vacation, but you got to watch out. These things don't supplement your life source of God speaking to you. Okay, uh, people do it with with their kids and sports teams. There are lots of you know club and teams and traveling teams these days, and they have games every weekend, and you're on the road. Okay, they might you know enjoy that. You might enjoy that, but long term, what's happening is you're putting pressure on your relationship by putting God in the back seat. Use wisdom here. Everybody okay? Sometimes it's just too many commitments. Your commitment to the gym can become too important. Your commitment to a some kind of special diet can become too important. Your your commitment to uh, you know your hobby can become too important, and all of a sudden, uh, all this extra pressure is on the relationship. Jesus said in Matthew chapter nineteen and verse eight, in response to uh, their questions about marriage and divorce. He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. He said, why do people get divorced? He said, a hardness of heart. Why was there no other way out except for divorce? He said, because of hardness of heart. This is a condition that exists that causes people to be spiritually blind. When you're hard of heart, you don't see. You don't see clearly. You're full of unbelief and pride and unchangeableness. You won't move. Hardness of heart is a horrible condition. You remember Pharaoh of the Old Testament when Moses came to get Israel out of Egypt and the ten plagues and, and, and he kept going into Pharaoh and saying, let my people go. And, uh, and Pharaoh was dumb as a rock in that situation. Do you know why he was? It said he hardened his heart. He hardened his heart again and again and again. And one day, you know, when the country had a frog infestation. You ever had that? <laughs> Hopefully not. Frogs. Remember one of the plagues? Frogs. And Moses went to Pharaoh and said, Hey, when do you want the frogs to leave? You know what Pharaoh said? Tomorrow. You are an idiot, Pharaoh. <laughs> he asked you and you don't say now? Why would he think that way? Hardness of heart. Hardness of heart. You don't think clearly. You don't see solutions. You don't make smart decisions. I know I'm kind of throwing a lot of this on you last minute here, just trying to wrap things up. But I I tell you, one of the best things you can do, all of us can do, is humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Saying, Lord, forgive me for my, my pride, arrogance, hardness of heart. I want to be moldable, changeable. I want to be instructable, teachable. I want to be the kind of person that, that can grow and learn. And, and I want to be a better husband or wife. Or if you're a single person going that direction, getting ready. I want to be the kind of person that can make adjustments and changes. And it can see clearly. And if we'll have spiritual sight, we'll be able to see, okay, marriage is one. This is what it looks like in practical daily living. 
This is what it looks like to do our money together, to do our schedules together, to do our lives together, to battle through the storms together, to overcome weaknesses together, to uh, you know celebrate our victories together. If this is what it looks like to be one instead of two, and you recognize the seeds of division that get planted through experience, through through parents even, and and through circumstances of life, seeds of division that get you to think in contrast to one another. All those things hinder God's best. It is the thief that is coming to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I tell you, we'll keep our eyes on Jesus. Say, we're Lord, we're getting whatever we say. Whatever you say, we hear. Whatever you say, we know, we understand. We're going to do what you tell us to do. We're going to be open to your way of thinking and your way of living. May your love shine through us. That position puts us in a place where anything is fixable. Anything is changeable, and things can get better and better and better throughout our days. Can you say amen today? Father, we thank you.